0: He gets the last word. He gets the last word. I I do know this that that's going to be hard for some of you to accept. That God gets the last word because you're used to getting the last word, but at some point in time you'll have to relent. <laughs> Well, it's good to be here uh, today, and I'm thankful that you're here, and we're going to lean into God's Word here in a second. And my prayer is is that when you show up, that when we gather together like this, it's encouraging to you, it's uplifting, it's challenging. Um, I, I am, uh, just to let you know, I'm at the place where... Um, Where I like to be challenged. Amen? Okay, there's two other people in the room. Everybody else is like, Pastor Chris is summertime, man. It's like vacation. Settle down with a challenge thing. I want to be challenged. I want to be have goals and obstacles in front of me and go at it. And and what I realized is that when things are challenging us, a lot of times there's no clapping. Is that true? Like, like the period of time, but you may be walking through a challenging time in your life right now. and You're not like, oh yeah, bring it on, Lord. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited about this part. So oftentimes, the places that we grow the most have the least applause. Amen? And so we have to shift our minds. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you this morning that you may be walking through a difficult time. There may be nobody clapping for you. Um, but God is, amen. God's clapping for you this morning and you, you, you may not be able to hear it real well. And it may not like seem, seem like a whole bunch of people are cheering, but oftentimes the, I grow the most when not everybody is like, Oh, you're such a good boy. Just thought somebody might need to hear that this morning. I want to welcome uh, all those watching from the online church um, all over the country and on demand all over the world and so that 's a, a really neat, really neat thing. Our Berkeley Springs campus is growing and some some just really cool opportunities coming up in Berkeley Springs that i can 't share with you yet, but really really neat things happening up there and then our Concord Campus is meeting for the second time? That's pretty crazy, isn't it? I need to let you know something. It it was brought to my attention the other day that, um, you know what would be good for you uh, is not to compare what you're capable of with what other people are capable of. Do you realize that? Because you may let somebody else set the standard for you and you may be able to, God might want to just blow the standard out of the water with you. So if you're always gauging what you're going to do according to what other people do, then you may not live up to the, what God wants you to do. Does that make sense? So it typically takes sometimes six, eight months, a year for churches to get stuff, to to get all the systems in place, the organization and the equipment and all that stuff to start another church. That's a big deal. To plant another campus, to, have it all come together and, and work out like that. And I was talking with Pastor Pablo, who is in New Hampshire the other day, who grew up at this church and worked here for a couple of years, him and his wife. And, um, and, and what, we, what we realized was that Hope Community Church started a church in two months. Okay, I'm thankful there's one guy in the back that was happy about that. We weren't thinking about it. We weren't even paying attention. We were just like, okay, this is God's open this opportunity and open this door and we're going to run with it. And, and it, and it's, um, you know, we prayed and, and, it felt good to us and the Holy spirit and, 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 and the finances were good and everything was in line and the, and the board said, yeah, go ahead. And boom, in two months, there's a church meeting in Concord, New Hampshire Um, last Sunday there was 85 people there. I don't know, I don't know what it is this Sunday, but, um, but I just want you to know that, that if God's put something in your heart, if God is, is, you know, that little thing in your stomach that you can't, just can't get rid of, and it's not the flu, um, like stop. It's good to get counsel. It's good to get all that stuff. It's, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. But for a little church in Hedgesville, West Virginia, if we had listened to what was the way things should happen, we wouldn't have done anything. Amen. And so I'm excited to be around a group of people that says, oh, dare me. Amen. And, uh, and a lot of times I feel like that's what God is telling us. Hey, don't listen. Don't listen the way it's supposed to be done. Just get out there and make it happen. Amen. And so um, we're going to talk about marriage today just like that. That was a good segue, wasn't it? Uh, Marriage is a tricky subject. Um, Most of all because I'm married and anything I say about it is getting critiqued. So um, listen, I want you to live a full marriage. If you're not married yet, I want you to go into marriage knowing what a full marriage looks like, not what the culture says a full marriage looks like, but what the Bible says a full marriage looks like. If you're, if you've come out of a marriage and it didn't work out before you think about going into another one, I want you to know what a full, what living marriage on full looks like. Because if you get this concept mixed up, you'll be disappointed. Amen? And in America, outside of the church, 50% of people that marry get disappointed. Actually, let me back that up. 100% of people that get married get disappointed at some point in time. You don't have to say amen. It'll be too obvious. Disappointment is not the issue; it's what you do with it that becomes the issue. So we're going to lean into this, and I'm going to, um, I'm hopefully going to encourage you this morning on how to stay full when you're married. So why don't you stand to your feet in honor of reading the word? Hey, I also want to let you know real quick before we read. That, that, hope community church just sent three more kids to school in Kenya yesterday. That's a pretty cool deal. Isn't it? <laughs> I had a friend of mine text me and said, Hey, these, these three students are getting ready to get expelled because of payment. Can you guys help? And I said, absolutely. You did that. You did that. All right. We're going to read from Romans chapter five. Then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter five. So Romans chapter five, starting in verse one, here we go. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good thing, isn't it? Peace with God is a good thing. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings so perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that in while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? Then we're going to jump down to Ephesians chapter 5. There's a famous passage, I preached from this a lot. Chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands It's to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as the Christ is the head of the church, his body and as himself its Savior. Now as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything their hus- to their husbands. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we pray that uh, we'd be uh, spouses that are on full that have enough to run over. Lord, we pray that you'd strengthen marriages this morning. We pray that you'd, we pray if there's somebody who's thinking about marriage, that you'd, you'd put a vision in their hearts about what it truly looks like. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Paul in his letter to the church at Rome that we just read, chapter five. He's describing the benefits of salvation through the work of Christ. So he says, by faith in Christ, we've been justified or made right before God. And in turn, we receive the benefits from that relationship. So because Jesus died on the cross, rose again, because he paid the penalty for your sin and my sin, then we get the benefits, Paul says, from that relationship. We get peace. We get access to grace. We get get rejoicing over the hope we have for the future, even in the middle of suffering. So he's saying, even in the middle of difficult times, we have this hope for the future. Actually, Pastor Adam's going to talk about that next week, how to be full in difficult times. Today, we're going to talk about Having a full cup that's overflowing in marriage. When you go to Ephesians, Paul starts talking about marriage relationship, but I'd like to tie that in because, because in Romans, Paul explains to us how it all happened, kind of the progression that it happened. Paul says that we weren't great people, that God felt felt like he should save because of our worth or because of our our exploits man they 're just so good we got to save them. No, it was while we were enemies of God he saved us. It was while we were sinners, Paul says in Romans chapter five that he saved us, so you get this picture of us being separated from God by by choices and decisions we've made. How many of you know no one made you sin? You might have told your parents that. But it ain't true. We all decided at some point in time. Can I get, can I get an amen from those of you that know you decided to sin? Oh, that was... I'm proud of it too. It was our choice. We sinned. We separated ourselves from God. Did it start with Adam and Eve? Yeah, sure. But we all got the opportunity not to. And we all did. So what happens is God in his unending love for us decided that while we were in that separated state, that he wouldn't wait for us to move towards him. He would move towards us. He would move towards us. Look at your neighbor and say, God, move first. God, move first. So the thing is when Paul talks about marriage is he talks about it in light of what he said to the Romans, that while we were sinners, God moved towards us first. And then he says to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So we get a picture in Ephesians chapter five of this Mutual moving towards each other. Paul uses different words to frame it. He says, wives submit to your husbands. What does that look like? Wives moving towards their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. What's that look like? Men moving towards their wives. Just in case I've said this a hundred times in the last 20 years, if you're, if you're upset about wives submit to your husbands, then the husbands should be really upset for the fact that we are supposed to die for our wives. I'm trying to figure out which one's more difficult. But he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So Jesus moved first. There wasn't a church before him. Amen. And so I do personally hold uh, the belief uh, when I do marriage counseling or premarital counseling, I will always look at the husband and say, it's always your job to move first. Sorry, guys. I should have waited till the end to say that. Now you checked out. All right. I want to cover a couple things and that, that we're going to get into the meat of it. I, I want to just address with everybody the way it sh, the way we think it should be, the way we'd like it. Can we talk about the way we'd like it? Just be honest. And just be, let's be selfish for a second together. Can we? Now everybody's nervous. Everybody heard of the five love languages? I think they're dumb. I mean, I like them, but they just, as soon as you think you figured it out, they just get complicated. It's an easy book to read. I recommend you read it. So there's basically the premise. There's five types, five ways that you give and receive love. There's quality time. Words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, and acts of service. So when I say those five things, some of you who have read the book were like, Oh yeah, that one's mine. Boy, I love me a good gift. I love me a good gift. And, and, and when you, when you try to show your love to somebody else, you're always buying them something. You're always, and everybody's like, Why are you spoiling them? No, you're just trying to show them love. And that's the way you do it. Amen. Any gift givers in the house? couple, I'll give you my address. I mean, it's not my love language, but I ain't going to turn it down. You know what I'm saying? Then we have quality time, which the quality time people are are like the purest people, right? I just want to spend time with you. Whatever. Can we just watch the movie? Do we have to talk? inequality time people around inequality time you're like can you just look me in the eyes when we talk no that's weird i don't want to look at you i mean i want to look at you but i don't want to stare at you all like what are we going to talk about the fight's on what are we going to talk about well i'm going to get in a lot of trouble (laughs) acts of service the people that always want to do something for you you know those people and for a person like me, you're like, I got it. I don't need any more help. Settle down. I can put my own shoes on. It's fine. And then there's uh, words of affirmation, which happens to be mine. And it sounds cheap, but I need it. <laughs> Anybody else? Words of affirmation? Like, you need, to, you need somebody to tell you you did a good job. Yeah, that's fine. I was actually talking with... Uh, A guy that I see every two weeks, we'll just call him a friend. You can call him a counselor if you want. Um, (laughs) And um, he, uh, and I said this the other day, I said, man, words of affirmation feel cheap compared to quality time. If it it just, when you, if you were going to gauge them one to five, I put quality time is like, oh, you're close to Jesus. You just want to talk. And then. And then you get down to words of affirmation and physical touch and you're like, those are the dirty ones out at the bottom. You know what I mean? And he just looked at me and went, Chris, that's not the way it goes. They're all, they're all the way we communicate. They're all equal. And then he looked at me and he was like, you're a pastor, aren't you? I was like, well, that's not a word of affirmation, bro. All right. Here's the perfect scenario. This is what we all want. As soon as I say those things, even if you've never read the book, you probably went, oh, that's me. That's me. I always want my spouse to tell me I'm doing a good job, to tell me I'm great. I, man, I just gravitate towards, I, I like to have long conversations and spend time and walking through the park. And... This is a great concept of creating a relationship that's mutually fulfilling. And he paints a picture of love tanks running over that we each have a tank and each person's making sure to check the level of the spouse's tank and never allowing it to drop too far, resulting in a marriage filled with euphoria and seemingly endless amounts of love. It's the way, it's like, we, we just fill each other's love tanks, It's just great. <laughs> because we do it, we have this deep care and respect for each other. And I thought I'd throw in this Song of Solomon. Chapter 1, verse 8 through 15. I mean, I mean, isn't this perfect? Listen to this. If you don't know, almost beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments and your neck with strings of jewels, we will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver while the king was on his couch. My, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. some of you right there went if he would only and the rest of the guys just went dude why'd you do that the way we would like it Let me back up a second. I had a conversation recently about people being intuitive. Would anybody consider yourself intuitive this morning? Like you just pick up on things. You just pick up on the way things work. Oh, you know what the problem is? Like six people raise their hand. Because what happens in relationships is that most of the time, we genuinely are not thinking about somebody else. Can we just be honest? Most of the time we're thinking about what's impacting us in the moment. And what we're doing is relying on the other person to be intuitive about what we need. We go into marriage thinking they're going to be intuitive. My wife married me when I was 20. There is no intuitive 20-year-old. Uh, you may think you are. Trust me, I've been there. So what we do is we go into marriage thinking that the other person will just pick up on it. Anybody ever done that before? Wow, that's a big cliff to jump off of. We go into marriage thinking the other person will intuitively figure out our love language and then provide that love language to us even though it's opposite of what they have. So the irony is, is a lot of times we will marry people. For those of you that married somebody with the same love language, I don't even like you. <laughs> but but for the rest of us who are normal you probably married somebody that doesn't speak the same language as you, or, it's, or they they just express love a different way than you do. So, so what we do is we go into marriage thinking they're going to be intuitive, and just be able to assess the circumstance and say, "Well, Chris needs words of affirmation, Bethany's quality time." So we'll just, it's just, well, I mean, we'll just do that. And then you get into there and you go, "Oh." You know what the issue is, I haven't gotten words of affirmation in a while. And this is what this is not what I planned on. When it's challenging, you don't have to clap. Remember, we talked about that before. And so what happens is what we expected starts to crumble. Because we all expected. Well, man, it's going to be, it's going to be so easy. When we were dating, he, he did all these things for me. We were dating. He, he bought me gifts. When we were dating, he did this. When we were dating, she, she told me I was the, the most amazing person she had ever dated. She told me that when we were dating all these things, it just felt natural. Do you remember that? when it felt natural and then 10 years comes in and everybody's in the middle of a root canal (laughs) and you're going, well, this is what I thought it was going to be. Some of you are like, bro, it didn't take 10 years. (laughs) This is what I thought it was going to be. We were intuitive when we were dating. No, you were infatuated when you were dating and it clouds a whole lot of judgment. Trust me. I've sat in front of a ton of people who are like, he wasn't like this. I'm like, duh. <laughs> he was on his best behavior. So that's the way we want it. And then we get married and we find out this is the way it is. We get tired. Anybody ever been Tired? You end up having problems with kids. Anybody ever have problems with kids? You end up having problems at work. Anybody ever have problems at work? Anybody ever had money problems? Anybody ever had car problems? Anybody ever had money problems and car problems? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, what happens? Then all of a sudden, the intuitiveness stops. And then what happens is, as individuals, we start to do this. My tank's empty and they're not filling it up. I've got nothing else to give. Oh, I've got nothing else to give. I've got nothing else to give. So now what we're seeing, now what we're doing, the reality is that every marriage, I'm I'm 100% positive, positive of this. Every marriage experiences this at some point in time, sometimes multiple times. And the way you deal with this circumstance right here will determine everything moving forward. There could be one person empty or two people empty. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're the person sitting there empty right now and you're going, I don't have anything else to give because I have not been filled up. So, so remember, we go back to the beginning. We came into marriage. We were full because we were just, yeah, so awesome. And then all of a sudden, our spouse stopped being intuitive or they never were at the beginning and you just had beer goggles on or something. <laughs> now reality hits. They're stressed out. You're stressed out. All these things are happening. And guess what? What? All of a sudden, neither of you have enough from the other person. Come on, can I get an amen? I'm just being real with you here. Now, all of a sudden, neither of you have enough from the other person. Make sure you qualify it like that. Neither of you have enough from the other person. And when we got into it, that was the expectation, wasn't it? The five lines are so great, man. If you would just, if you just spend more time with me, everything would be fine. So all of a sudden now, both of your tanks are empty, and you're sitting there looking at each other like, what are we going to do? You ever lived on empty for a while? That's when you start to wear your teeth down, doesn't it? Just gritting your teeth all the time. Every little thing they do, you're like... So we have the expectation of they're going to keep me full. It's so wonderful. And then reality hits at some point in time. Reality does hit at some point in time. And what you do with the reality is going to determine what your future looks like. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to determine what your future looks like. I've heard so many stories over the last 20 years of she won't ever do this and he never does this. And so I'm not going to do that. And the truth of the matter is, if we're not careful, the giving of love is predominantly based on the amount of love received from the spouse. So, as much as we say we love unconditionally, is not is typically not true, is it? it? What typically is true is we love at the rate which we are given love. That's human nature. Or if you give me something, then I feel obligated to give you something. If I give you something, you feel obligated to give me something. I know that's breaking it down really, really bland, but that is the way most marriages work. It's like this give and take thing, give and take thing, give and take thing. And that's why most of them fail. And when, when Paul comes to describe marriage, he describes it a totally different way than society describes it. This mutual, unconditional moving towards each other. So instead of the five love languages and their application being based on Christ, it's based on the culture. Marriage has become this constant struggle of having our needs filled by our spouse and then a never-ending assessment of whether our tanks are full enough. And actually, if you flip to the book of James, the James, the pastor, tells us that the reason we fight and quarrel with each other is because we want what we do not have. Oh, my goodness. If that is ever true. Think about that. Now, he's talking to the church, but superimpose that on your marriage. I, I had a conversation with the same friend about Intuitiveness. And, and we were, I, I said, I actually said to him, I had an expectation and I wasn't talking about, I wasn't talking about my spouse. There were some things that I deal with that I was having an expectation that there would just be an intuitiveness to it. And he was so kind and he looked at me like this. He went, <laughs> really? You thought that? And then he told me this. He said, how unfair is it of you to just think people should get it? That's unfair on your side for you to have an expectation that somebody should read your mind. And I was like, well, dude, when you put it that way, I guess it does look bad. I like the word intuitive a little better. And he said, Chris, people can't read minds. And so you, you, you're going to have to Tell them. And I was like, that's too much trouble. That's too much. That's a, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work to tell everybody what you're thinking, to tell everybody the expect to tell people. And he said, this is the only way it's going to happen with communication. And so what happens is we our our, our 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 tank drops, our tank drops, our tank drops, and then we stop communicating. And then it gets worse, and then it gets worse, and then the communication stops again, and it just compounds. You see how it compounds? And then we dig the hole deeper as far as the expectation that, that, that people are going to be intuitive, and they're just going to get it while we're acting like a jerk. So Paul's saying, Paul's saying, listen, God didn't set it up like that. And then if we flip to James, we see that a lot of fights and quarrels, even in marriage, is because we want what we don't have. Low love tank, and I'm telling you, you better fill it up today. I'm upset about this. You better fill it up today. I don't know about you, but that's probably not a great strategy. You better love me today, or it's over. Like what? You better love me today, or I'm not getting oil changed in the car. You better love me today or I'm not fixing it. You better love me. But that's where we get to. But I think there's a better way. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you looking at an empty gauge, wondering if it will ever be full? Does it feel like you're out of energy and simply cannot offer your spouse anything? I want to encourage you for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Did you hear that? While we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He moved towards us before we could offer him anything. And then Paul says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While While we were without merit, Christ died for us. So listen to me. The standard for marriage is not whether my tank is full. The standard for marriage is can I love when it's empty? No claps. That's fine. We're going to keep moving. I'm on the third point. We got eight minutes and 49 seconds. (laughs) I knew it was going to be tough. We've been taught to assess our marriage by what we're receiving, not our ability to give. Uh So I need to show you the Jesus way. The Jesus way. Because if we were intuitive, we would realize that once we get married, we are married to another sinner. Some of you are like, oh, don't I know. (laughs) We got married to another sinner. That means they're incapable of loving you perfectly. Even if you dated for a year and it seemed like they were close, that was a smoke show. (laughs) They are going to sin at some point in time. And the issue is, what do we do with it? How do we love the imperfect person sitting beside us? Can I tell you this? You better have a, the strategy in your marriage better be stronger for loving an imperfect person than you getting your tank full. Because I can tell you, you can interview my wife, I'm imperfect at filling her tank. Just am. And I go to counseling twice a month. I'm imperfect at it. So does that mean we're going to have a bad marriage? No, it means we're imperfect. It means we have to be conscious about the way God asks us to live and where and where we get full from. Okay, now we're talking about a different thing. Because society tells me that I need to be full from my spouse And the Bible tells me I should get my source from somewhere else. Because Jesus did not go to the cross based on our worship of him before that. Did you hear me? Jesus did not go to the cross based on our behavior before that. Jesus did not go to the cross based on us living perfect lives and we're so worthy of him going to the cross. No, it said while we were sinners, he died for us. Paul even makes a case. Man, you know how rare it is for somebody to die for a righteous person? That's pretty rare. Maybe for a good person, somebody might go all the way to the end and die for them, but it's, it's just so rare. Can you believe how rare it is that Jesus, while we were sinners, had nothing to offer him, went to the cross and died for us? And then you get to Ephesians and Paul says, love your wives like that. Ah, so now I gotta ask, Jesus was not being filled by the world's love language. Jesus didn't go to the cross going, man, this is easy. People told me I was great today. (laughs) People spent quality time with me. People gave me gifts. This was unbelievable. Everybody's supporting me going to the cross. No, when he's arrested, everybody runs. One disciple betrayed him. The other 11 ran off. And one of the 11 denied they knew him. He's got to be full of something else. It's got to be full of something else. Because if he was relying on those people, he'd have never died for us. If it was a tit for tat relationship, he'd have never went to the cross. But I can't get over the fact that Paul tells us to love each other like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. When nobody was clapping, he still died for us. How did he do it? How did he get through the dry season? How did he get through this praying and being so stressed out that it says his sweat was like drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane? How did, he, how did he push through, muscle through? How did he do it? How did he sacrifice more than I could ever dream of sacrificing in a relationship? How did he do that? What was the secret? Why? How? Because my tank gets low and I don't want to do it anymore. Here's how. Wouldn't be a good sermon if we didn't have three easy steps. Listen to me, church. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? Full. Full of the Holy Spirit. It didn't say his love tank was full. It said he was full of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17. That Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. You cannot give out of you what is not already in you, Amen? And if at times your spouse can't give it to you, where are you going to get it? You ain't getting it from the kids. They're going to take, 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 take. They ain't giving it back. You're not going to get it from work. You're not going to get it online. You're not going to get it. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. We have to receive from Him. This isn't cliche. This isn't, this isn't like, well, well, full of the Holy Spirit. I guess so. I'm going to church. Jesus gives us that which we did not first give Him. Did you hear me? The relationship between us and him is totally different between us and each other because we typically wait and have the expectation that, we re, that, that we're going to wait to give until we receive. Jesus messes that all up and he says, I'll give it to you before you give me anything. And I'll fill you up before you've lived a worthy life. So he says, hey, I'll give you this free gift. I'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you will run dry if your spouse is the only source. It's inevitable and irresponsible at the same time. Think about this. It's inevitable. There's going to be some point in time that your spouse will not be able to provide all that you need. It's inevitable. And I also believe irresponsible to trust in that. It's like driving a Chevy every day. You're like, this thing is going to break down. It's irresponsible. That's so. Those jokes are dumb. If Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. You have to be full of the Holy Spirit. At some point in time in your life, you have to say, God, fill me up because there's nobody around me that can. Fill me up. Because I am still required to love on empty. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. On empty. When everybody else left him. When everybody else gave up. When everybody else betrayed him. On empty. As far as human relationships, empty. And still poured his life out. Lord, I need to be full of you so I can give out even when I'm empty. Jesus spent time in prayer. This isn't a joke. This isn't praying over your meal. Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16, the band's going to come up. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him not to tell anyone and go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. He just healed him. He said, now go show yourself to the priest and show them what the power of God can do. But listen, but now even more, the report about him went out abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Ha, 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 ha. We are, we are naturally bent toward the exact opposite of what Jesus did right here. And it will keep us empty if we're not careful. You can go through the whole history of famous artists, musicians, movie stars, where the whole world will clap for them and they will remain empty inside. Empty. Empty. The more famous they get, the more empty it becomes. Why? Because claps will not fill you up. Jesus had just healed a man with leprosy, and it says that the whole word about it spread out all over the place, and people were coming, and what did he do? He didn't go, man, look at me now. My TikTok is blowing up. My Twitter's blowing up. My my Instagram's blowing up. Everybody loves me. Everybody's clapping. Everybody loves that I can heal. No, he goes off by himself. And the most counterintuitive thing you could do when you're empty is go off by yourself, but it's a thing you need. Because what you do when you're by yourself is you realize that he's the one that fills me. He is the one that fills me up. And so what we do is we get empty and we start pushing into people and we start, fill me up, fill me up, fill me, clap for me, clap for me, fill me up, fill me up, clap for me, clap for me. That's how pastors go astray. Because they're preaching on empty, and they think the claps are gonna fill it up. Because they don't know how to go, they don't know how to be alone with Jesus. And your marriage at some point in time will depend on you knowing how to be alone with Jesus. Knowing how to be alone with the Holy Spirit. It said he withdrew to desolate places. In our our mindset, it doesn't even make any sense. If you're empty, why would you go somewhere that's empty? He said, man, I know I need to be full of the Father, full of the Holy Spirit. I know I need to go off and pray because what I'm getting ready to do, nobody's going with me. Nobody's going to be cheering. Nobody's going to be So if I want my marriage to blast and be fruitful, there has to be another source. Because this is the truth. If you have a crowd, they're going to demand things from you. Amen? Some of you got four or five kids. You got a crowd in the house. You know what that demand looks like. A crowd demands things. And Jesus knew that the crowd cheering for him at this time could not and would not sustain him. But he needed a constant charging station to be able to to be able to give out. Here's the point I want to make. Everybody knows these electric cars now. What we do is this. Picture yourself as two electric cars, you're married, two electric cars. And what we try to do is we try to charge each other without plugging into anything else. Well, that's foolish because at some point in time, we run out of electricity together. So the smart thing to do would be for each of us to go plug ourselves in to a constant source and then come back together. Does that make sense? Your potential to offer love is not based on your spouse's ability to give it to you, but your consistency in prayer. So I need to ask you this, how many charging stations have you set up in your life? How many places we used to call them we used to call them prayer closets How many times during the day I'm not saying you got to crawl into your desk at work but how many times during the day do you plug in and go God I'm thinking thoughts that I shouldn't be thinking right now I'm thinking animosity I'm thinking I'm it's not fair I'm thinking all these things and I'm thinking I don't want to give anymore and I need to be plugged into you so you can transform all that stuff in my head And the more you plug into those spots along your day the more you have the infrastructure of prayer worked out in your life, the more you can give even if you're not receiving. Amen? And then stand to your feet this last thing. Here's the test. If you're not being tested, you will be tested. And Jesus was tested and being full of the Holy Spirit and full of prayer works. Luke chapter 22, verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they were crucified with him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, what? He didn't say, Father, I'm empty right now. I ain't got nothing to give. They know nobody helped me out. Nobody's, nobody's appreciated me today. No, in the middle of being empty on the cross, being full of the Holy Spirit and full of prayer, he's still able to go, forgive him, forgive him. Forgive them, Lord. Forgive them, Lord. Listen to me. God has called us to love each other. Not from each other, but from his love to us. Amen? That means, that means we have the capacity to love each other even when we're empty even when the five love language thing is not working and can't work in the moment, we still have the resources we need to love unconditionally, to love when it seems unfair, to love when, when, when nobody around us should say we should do it. There was nobody around Jesus going, yeah, forgive everybody, man, that's a good idea. No, when it makes no sense whatsoever, if I plug, I could go, God, I, your Holy Spirit in me is what's causing me to do what comes unnatural in the moment. And that's how your marriage will stay together. That's how your marriage will thrive. That's how you will that's how you will hold each other up. That's how you'll make it because I was plugged into something that never dries up, that never ends. I was plugged into something that can overcome anything we face. Amen. So can we pray like that this morning? If you're in that spot, just lift your hands to the the Lord and say, Lord, I need to plug into you today. I need to plug into you this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. I need to establish a better connection to you so that I can be better with my spouse. So, Father, we ask that this morning. We're not playing games this morning, Lord. We know that generations and future destinies are at stake for us to get this right and we don't want to go down sort of getting it right lord we want to be plugged into you so much that we love unconditionally we know what it looks like because you loved us we thank you for it today encourage us today as we plug into you in jesus name we pray come on can you give him praise and honor church he's good